Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WGR Sports Radio 550. Buffalo selects Alex Nylander. Oh, it's perfect. Got young players. Um, they're all really good. It's a really good team, and they're trying to build up now, and it's going to be... They're going to be really good for the next year, and they have a great organization and know what they do with the players, and it's just going to be amazing playing for them. He was very clear right from the start, and a lot of players say it, that you know, he wanted to come here. This was a place that he targeted, and actually I believe him. So um, I asked him that after I told him uh, when he came on stage. Uh, I said I'd see you Friday night, and uh, like he was beaming, as you saw, and uh, I think he's really happy with the uh, destination that he got. Yes, well, I'm trying to, to work at uh, my strength and uh, try to get bigger for next year, stronger. And, of course, the goal is to make the NHL next year. I think I'm a playmaker who... Uh, it was a game breaker also and it's got very good hockey sound. Yeah, I've been talking I was talking to Buffalo and some other teams, but um, I thought I think I had the best best feeling with Buffalo. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Alex Nylander, your newest Buffalo Saber. Welcome in to WGR Sports Radio 550. Good morning. Saturday morning, day two of the NHL draft coming at you. Live on WGR starting at 10 a.m. this morning when Matthew Collar and Pat Melicaro, and as you heard from our Tea to Green host Brian Koziel, he will be joining the broadcast live from First Niagara Center this afternoon and morning as day two rounds two through seven get underway today at the NHL draft. Yesterday, as you heard in the update there, Tim Murray selects Alex Nylander, uh, a winger. Uh, instead of the uh, the defenseman, uh, the only defenseman at that point taken off the board, Oliu Levy, uh, he was taken by whom, Brayden? Oliu Levy went to Vancouver at Vancouver, five. that's right. So Vancouver takes the top defenseman off the board. Chikrin uh, was also available there, thought to be one of the top three defensemen. He actually falls all the way to 16. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it was a very unexpected fall for him. However, some... Uh, some scouts had thought that, you know, he had a really, really bad year this year. And it wasn't the year that he had expected to have, but, you know, I guess that's just the way things fall in the draft sometimes. So Chikrin ends up falling. Uh, Arizona trades back, uh, trades up, I mean, for, with Detroit. Uh, and one of those trades included Pavel Datsuk with, with uh, Arizona. So Datsuk's contract now heads to Arizona. Um, which makes things interesting uh, for the Steven Stamkos sweepstakes. Uh, definitely gives them the kind of cap room and cap relief they needed to make any sort of run happen at uh, at Stamkos. And uh, I actually have some sound I want to hear play here from yesterday. Tim Murray um, on that Detroit Arizona trade. Here's uh, here's Tim Murray. No, no sound. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no sound. 
Okay, so Tim Murray talked about yesterday the Detroit-Arizona trade that saw Datsuk's contract get moved to the Coyotes. Um, I think it, it definitely is an unfortunate event here for the Sabres as they really kind of seemed to be the only team, uh, you know, other than Toronto that really put up a, a, a fighting chance for Stamkos. They now kind of move the necessary pieces to give them the space to go at uh, Stamkos with a, you know, a reasonably high number. Uh, but here's that sound I was talking about from Tim Murray when he was asked about the Detroit-Arizona trade. I don't know if I want to comment on that. I mean, it's good for them. And, uh, you know, and as far as Arizona goes, you know, I haven't looked at their cap closely. Maybe they felt that this was good for them. They're guaranteed to get to the floor. And I know that he's not a big proponent of moving up in the draft. You know, their analytics say that if you can move down for a couple picks that you have a better chance. And I just heard his comment that they went against the grain and what they like to do, that the chicken was there and they couldn't pass it up. So obviously a good trade for both teams. So Tim Murray there talking about the trade in that involved um, Pavel Datsuk's contract being traded to Phoenix. Or I'm sorry, to Phoenix to Arizona. Uh, but I, many people, I, I almost got the feeling that there was people that thought Pavel Datsuk may actually play uh, for Arizona next year, which no. just isn't the case. No. Uh, Datsuk's going to go to the KHL, and this is strictly a salary dump. Um, and something to get Arizona to the salary floor, uh, which they may struggle to do moving into next season. So this kind of sort of uh, guarantees them getting to the floor. Uh, an interesting move nonetheless. But I want your thoughts, 803-0550, on the Sabres draft. Who, uh, what do you think of the move to sign or to draft a forward and not a defenseman? Um, as we mentioned before, two of the top three defensemen still available when the Sabres picked at eight. Uh, Sergachev went to the next uh, went at nine right after the Sabres pick to Montreal. Um, so there was definitely the defenseman there, but Tim Murray decided uh, to go against picking for the need, which was an obvious need um, for them. But I think we do have a, I think we might have a sound too from uh, Murray wanting to, yeah, is there a sound here for uh, Murray wanting to uh, take the best available? I think there is. Yeah, we won't. Murray takes the best available player instead of the most uh, the most need for him, which I thought was an interesting move for Murray. He takes a guy who's probably the best skating forward in the draft, Brayton. If I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, if he's not the best, he's probably one of the top two or three skaters in the draft this year. I don't I don't think it's necessarily about his skating that makes him so good. It's his skill and his hockey sense that's really good. I mean, he sees the ice incredibly well. He moves the puck real well. I mean, he's a he's a stellar playmaker and I think that's that's probably the main reason why Tim Murray decided to draft him. I think another key factor in Tim Murray deciding to take, you know, Nylander instead of one of the other guys, one of the defensemen there is simply because next year um Nylander can play in the in the AHL, and I think that's going to be important for the development of Nylander and whether or not he's going to be able to play in the NHL in a year or two. Um, I think his time in the AHL gives you know gives the Sabers the ability to control his development a little bit more. 
Um, and I think that's an important, you know, key into why they decided to go with Nylander over a guy like Chikorin or Sergachev, who, as we mentioned, was still available um, at the eighth overall pick. But again, they decided to go with the forward. So I want to hear your thoughts. 803-0550. What are your thoughts on Alex Nylander, the newest Buffalo Sabre? Uh, were you expecting some more trade action? I know I was. I know some of the guys in the broadcast yesterday um, were expecting a little bit more. They were a little disappointed, um, as you know, uh, Peters and Craig Reve had mentioned a few times, as them being not disappointed in the pick, but kind of disappointed that there wasn't as much action as I think we all really predicted the uh, the evening to go. What do you think, Brigham? Well, with the way that everything was being talked up by, by the main insiders like Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, Pierre Lebrun, it sounded like there was a lot of chatter going on, a lot of trade talk. And, you know, parts were going to move either the day before the draft or, you know, the day of the draft yesterday. At the draft, things were going to move. And really, there wasn't anything in particular that really moved. I mean, the biggest name, arguably, that moved was Andrew Shaw from Chicago going to Montreal in a trade, which I think helps Montreal because it gives them some size in front of the net and also gives them a little bit of a, a scoring gritty, a gritty scoring touch. But, I mean, also Brian Elliott goes to Calgary, and Calgary was adamant that they wanted to add a number one goalie going into or before they left Buffalo. They get a but, pretty good deal instead of going in and in, in spending a top 10 or spending some right. sort of first round pick on yeah. a goalie like Bishop um, or, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, which there was a lot of rumors that, you know, those had been their two targets, but they decided to go with Brian Elliott, only give up a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get the starter that they're looking for, as you mentioned, and don't pay that high price. Um, and obviously, you know, St. Louis gets to gets to take up that second-round pick right. that they actually gave up. Well, they gave a third round, and the Sabres actually have three third-round picks, one of one of which are St. Louis's pick, um, and that would be... Um, so it, it makes for an interesting scenario moving in today with only, I think, three major player trade and player movement right. trades yeah. yesterday. Yeah, but, I mean, there was there was the whole talk that, you know, we're going to see a Shattenkirk trade. We're going to see a Fowler trade. I think, I think we'll big see, names. I think we'll still see those today. I think Shattenkirk probably moves today. Uh, but the I, problem is is that the, the market for these guys, the, the price is just so, it's so high. high. And teams are getting are shying away from that. I mean, Air Anaheim was asking for a first-round pick this year for Fowler from Montreal, the ninth pick, and Buffalo, the eighth pick. I mean... For two teams like them who really need another piece to add on to their future, I mean, that's a big price to pay for a defenseman who last year wasn't even your top-pairing defenseman. And they're thinking that he's a top-pair defenseman and they're going to try and trade him for a first-round pick. I mean, honestly, I would have been willing to give up the first-round pick for a guy like Hampus Lindholm or even Kevin Shattenkirk, but... I mean, it seems like everything's been quiet on the Shattenkirk front with Buffalo, at least. Um, but, you know, for a first-rounder for Cam Fowler, I mean, I don't know. It it just seems way, way too much to me. It does seem like too much, but... I'm in. I'm in Jeremy White's same camp as as he was talking about yesterday. Is it's, you know, it really kind of goes to, and it's de- it's dependent on the year and you know the the strength of the pool, the strength of the guys available, and, and you really have to look at it as Cam Fowler's one of the top two or three left-handed puck-moving defensemen that are available for trade this year. Um, so you're going to give up a little bit more than you would necessarily give up in other years and maybe less than you would in other years. But, you know, this year, right now, it's probably going to take a pretty significant pull to get Cam Fowler out of Anaheim. Uh, but I want to hear from you guys. 803-0550. Did you expect some more trades? Uh, what's your thoughts on the newest Buffalo Sabre, Alex Nylander? So let's head out to the phones. Joe in Amherst. Joe, you're on the air. 
Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say uh, I think Tim Murray is possibly going with a defensive trade route by selecting Nylander. I think that if he were going to take a defensive player to put in the back, the top six for defensive players, he would have. I think that he's going to be scourging the trade market today, and hopefully he doesn't get uh, burned on any big deals. I don't think he has to make a deal just to make a deal, but I'd like to see him do something. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I don't think he has to make a deal just to make a deal. But at the same time, I, I think you have to really look at the fact that the Sabres now have 10 picks today in rounds two through seven. There's just no way um, the Sabres can use all of those picks. They just don't have the amount of contracts to keep all of the guys they'll be drafting. Um, so they undoubtedly have to move one, two, or a handful of these picks. Um, starting with some of these third-round picks, I think they will definitely have some, um, you know, they can garner you some talent, um, you know, packaging up some of these third rounds. You have a few sevenths. Um, you have a few fifths. So you have some... You've got some picks really all over the place. You've got one second, I believe, one fourth and one sixth, um, and then two fifths and two sevenths, um, I believe, is how it goes. So they've got some ammunition to work with today. So 803-0550, what's the trade you want to see? What is the guy, you know, is, is there a guy out there that you want the Sabres to kick the tires on? One guy I'd really like the Sabres to kick their tires on is P.K. Subban. It's, it's pretty clear now that Montreal is looking to at least – find out what they can get for P.K. Subban. I think the asking price is going to be considerably higher than Cam Fowler, which I think is appropriate. I think he's a much better player than Fowler. He's a he's a franchise He's defenseman. a franchise defenseman. Um, I I have this, this weird feeling that the Sabres probably just don't have enough at this point um, to pry P.K. loose from Montreal. You'd probably be looking at giving up Nylander, the guy you just drafted, um, to go and get a guy like P.K. But I, I would be interested to see what the cost um, for a guy like Subban would be. I, I see Edmonton really uh, probably trying to kick the tires on that trade as well. Um, they seem to really have the most right now that they can give up. Um, a guy like you know Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall, Jordan the, the deal that George's LaRock tweeted out yesterday, I believe it was. Um, actually, no, it was a Thursday. And the deal was, apparently, it was Edmonton would give up the fourth pick. Leon Dreisaitl, one of their top young forwards that they drafted in 2014. And I want to say there was one more piece. I can't remember, but well, for Subban. And, and there was no deal struck. I mean... If I'm Edmonton, I would have taken that deal and ran with it. I mean, you're getting a, a defenseman that you haven't had in so long. I would have taken that deal. I, I would have been totally okay with giving up Dreisaitl. The problem is, is that you know they want to keep their young assets. They want a guy like Dreisaitl, who they see as their second best prospect behind McDavid, of course. Well, now they might see him as their third because yes, Puliyarvi fell to them, thanks Columbus. But I mean, still, the fact is, is that Edmonton. You know, they should be pressing hard for Subban, especially if the interest is there. And if Mark Bergevin continues to field these phone calls and hear everybody's opinion. Yeah, I, I think Shattenkirk's another guy to really keep your eye on as far as Edmonton goes. Um, I, I think that ultimately, as the day goes on, the, the need for them to secure that top defenseman is going to build. 
Um, and I think the longer it waits, the more they're going to spend um, on a franchise defenseman. So the sooner I think that they can strike a deal, um, the less that they're ultimately going to pay. But I think as the day moves on, the pressure on Edmonton and this and a team like the Sabres who need that top flight, that top end puck moving defenseman, um, in the Sabres case, a left hand, and Edmonton's case, they just need anything. Um, at this point, I, I think the longer that these teams wait, um, ultimately the higher the price that they're going to have to pay. I, I just think that the sooner you can strike a deal with a team like Anaheim, it, really the better. Um, but I agree. I, I think that the right now the asking price for some of these franchise puck moving defensemen are are high, but they it's historically been high. You've historically to get a top flight defenseman, you know, you're giving up a pretty good portion of your farm. You're giving up draft picks. You're giving up prospects. You're giving up players. So I think you had to expect going into yesterday that if there was going to be a trade that happened, it was going to have to be the right scenario for Tim Murray. He's not the kind of guy that's going to take a flyer on something that he doesn't think is is 100% for him. And and I think the only thing that he's ever done of, of the course of his you know tenure in, in Buffalo so far, I mean, maybe his two riskiest moves are trading for Robin Leonard, which I think at this point I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that pick moving moving into this year. You know, we'll see how that turns out. And that Jimmy Vesey trade. Um, I think those are your two, you know, riskiest moves that, you can't forget the Matt Molson signing. Well, but I'm talking about trades. As far as the Matt Molson signing goes, he had a good season the season before, especially before he was moved. And then he just really kind of fell off the face of the planet. I mean, he really It's kind of hard to even predict There's no way anyone could have predicted the the fall that Matt Molson had in just one year. Right. I mean, I, I completely understand that nobody really expected Molson to do this because, I mean, when we all signed him, we thought, OK, he's he had a good year when he was first traded here. Then we traded him away. And then when he came back the first year, he's played OK. And then this past year, he struggled really bad. But I want to I want to touch base with the VC trade. I don't think VC's trade is really that much of a risk anyways. I mean, you're giving up a third round pick and third round picks, you know, they, they sometimes they will tend to develop into NHL, but I mean, not all of them do. But the thing is, with, with the VC trade, I mean, if you really want to sign him, you got to take that gamble. And Tim Murray said it, it was, it was more of a gamble. And, you know, we're trying to, we're tr- going to try and sign him. We're going to give him our best, our best offer, best, you know, pitch to him and then see what happens. But I, I definitely don't think that VC, the trade for VC's rights, was really necessarily a bad decision. I think it was a great decision. Oh no, I, I in no way do I think it was a bad decision. I, I just as far as is risk taking goes and, and what Tim Murray has been willing to do um, thus far in his tenure as a Sabres general manager, making moves and 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 doing trades and things like that. Um, he's pretty calculated. He's going he's going to do what he feels is best, but he wants to come out on top. Like most GMs in this league, when they're making a trade, they want to feel like they're winning that trade. And and that was one of the things with Darcy Regeer that I think a lot of people had issues with is Darcy was never really willing to make that trade unless he was you know hands down the winner of the trade. He wasn't willing to take any risks. Uh, a tweet in from Steve G asking our thoughts on Stamkos, Brayton, and uh, that's some, definitely something that uh, I wanted to touch on this morning. Um, and as we mentioned at the start, uh, Detroit in Arizona making a trade yesterday. Detroit ends up moving back to pick 22, I believe, and Arizona moves into pick 16. They take Jacob Chikorin, and they also take on the salary of Pavel Datsuk, which 
to me, is a pivotal move for Detroit, something that they had been trying to do for a few weeks now. Um, they finally find a trade partner to dump, basically dump that salary onto uh, a team that was going to struggle to get to the salary floor. Now you have a team like Detroit um, who has really pivoted themselves as a... I would say a top two or three team to go after Stamkos behind the Sabres and probably Toronto. Uh, But to me, I I think this is definitely a three-horse race right now between Buffalo, Toronto, and Detroit. Now, Detroit creates a little bit more room for them to max out a contract for Stamkos. Um, Yesterday, there was a number thrown around the radio, about $10 million um, from Detroit. Uh, right now, there was also thrown around that yesterday Tampa is basically stuck on their and they're not moving off of their number, which I believe was nine and a half million. Um, is that's their offer and they're sticking to it? Basically, take it or leave it, Stamco. So, I think you have a couple of restrictions when you're talking about these two teams at Tampa Bay. I, I think Tampa Bay's out. Um, I think ultimately they're not going to be willing to pay the money that Stamkos wants. Um, I think ultimately. You could see today Stamkos' rights traded at some point today. I think that's a possibility. Um, I, I also think that it could be in a couple days before that happens. But today, um, free agents are allowed to begin speaking with teams. I, I, I guarantee Tim Murray will be speaking to the Stamkos front at some point today. Um, I would be shocked if that didn't happen, just to at least get their number out there, um, where the Sabres are willing to go. Um, so... Ultimately, I think Tampa's out of this one, and you really are left with a three-team race. And ultimately, I think that three that three horse races that we that we're talking about right now is really coming down to two teams, and I think that's Detroit and Buffalo. Um, so now it comes down to who really presents the best situation for Stamkos moving forward. Uh, my camp is that it's got to be the Sabers that really offer the best situation for Stamkos to succeed, not only in the next few years. But over the long haul, over the course of a full contract that he's probably going to see at least seven or eight years, depending on if his his rights are traded, he can then sign an eight-year contract with the team that trades for his rights. Otherwise, if he tests free agent, seven years is the max contract that he can receive. So, Brayton, to me, if he's able to hit the free agent market and he doesn't get tra- his rights aren't traded and he doesn't sign an 8-year deal and everything is the same between Detroit and Buffalo they can both offer him a 7-year contract except the money where do you think is ultimately the deciding factor for a guy like Stamkos to decide between if if the money is the same money's the same and now you're looking at the roster outlook you're looking at prospects you're looking at coaching who, in your mind, has the edge to land Stamkos in this situation, Buffalo or Detroit? Well, I mean, it all depends on really what Stamkos wants. Because, I mean, we've been hearing people talking about Stamkos, and there's been many that have said, well, Stamkos wants to go closer to home, and his home is Toronto. Now, does he want to go to Toronto and actually play for them? We have no idea because he hasn't said diddly squat about anything. But... He may not want to go to Toronto because of all the pressure that's there. And, you know, it, it all depends on what Stamkos really wants to do. If he wants to go home to Toronto and try and be like Babcock and win them a championship on his home turf, fine. Then he can go back to Toronto and no worries. But, I mean, if he doesn't want to have all that pressure, I mean, Detroit and Buffalo are close to the Canadian border. Buffalo, mind you, is closer. Also, Buffalo's got more cap space, and they're probably going to be more willing to pay him max value. Whereas Detroit, they may be a little weary because you know they've you know they've got 
young talent, just like Buffalo. But, I mean, they've got some bigger contracts. So I think that right now Stamkos might be looking at this saying, well, the Sabres are close to home. They've got the money to pay. Um, are they, But another factor is, are they close to winning? Are they going to win a Stanley Cup within the next three to five years? Because Stamkos, you know, this is going to be probably his last big contract before he starts, you know, declining with value and declining uh, with with money, exactly. So I think that for Buffalo, I mean, they've got right now on the cap, they've got $50.222 million and Detroit's got 53.942. So it's a little bit over $3 million difference. But I mean, you know, both teams have the space. It's just, it, it's all on Stamkos now. Yeah, and it's going to come down to whether or not one of these teams feels comfortable giving a player like Stamkos or giving one player that type of money and not giving them exactly that sort of flexibility and ability to sign some of their younger guys long term. I, I always thought the structure of, of Stamkos' contract would be the most interesting portion of this is how does a team structure because mostly what you're going to hear is over the course of that contract can Stamkos get to $12 million as an average over the course of that six or seven year contract. I think for the Sabres right now they have the ability to give Stamkos the most money up front in those first two years they don't have a lot of guys to pay this year coming up they don't have a lot of guys to pay next year coming up it's that 2018-2019 season that you're going to see guys like Sam Reinhart Jack Eichel and maybe at that point Ristolainen off of a bridge contract and Robin Leonard and some of these other guys Jake McCabe that are RFAs now so I think right now this team has the ability to put together a crazy number over the next two years as a, as a cap hit for Stamkos, making this whole thing a little bit more interesting. I think that the Sabres can really manipulate the numbers in the contract here to get what they're looking for. So that'll be interesting to see. We'll get more Stamkos talk next. Uh, we also are going to take more of your calls at 803-0550. What are your thoughts on the Sabres' newest pick, Alex Nylander? We'll get into a little bit more of him next. Uh, some of his numbers in uh, junior as well as where he expects to play next year. Uh, we'll get some sound from Tim Murray as well, some of his thoughts after the draft yesterday. So we'll get all that and a little bit more Stamkos talk. All that's next on WGR. WGR Sports Radio 550. Stamkos Watch 2016. I think it was a great run for him in Tampa Bay, but it's time to move on. I would believe that Buffalo would be in the mix along with Montreal, Toronto, the Rangers, all of those teams will come into play here, and then it'll ultimately be his decision on where he sees his future. There's been reports that Stamkos has been sighted at the Buffalo airport. And these are not confirmed reports, but um, I think it might be Stamkos and I think he's coming to Buffalo. Oh, Stamkos, watch. Uh, if you're a team like the Buffalo Sabres, believe they're going to be involved. If you're a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, we know they'll be involved. He's the guy that helps shepherd the young kids. And when the team actualizes the playoff team, there's still a lot of good hockey left in that player. Yeah, I was over at a Bryant's and I saw the guy in I've got to believe that there are teams out there that will give Steven Stamkos $10 million a year, if not more than that. But whatever, let's use 10 as a delineation there. I've got to believe there are teams that will do that. Yeah, I was at Galleria and I was just buying a gift for my girlfriend and there was this guy in there. 
2015. On WGR Sports Radio 550. I was at Five Guys and then uh, in line getting a burger. And then I turn around, Stephen Stamkos is in line. He's in Buffalo. He's probably going to sign. Stamkos watch 2016. <laughs> Welcome back to our second segment this morning here on WGR. Nate Geary here with you. Brayton Wilson as well. Talking first round action last night of the NHL draft. Sabres select Alexander Nylander, brother uh, of son of Michael Nylander and brother of William Nylander, who is uh, over in uh, Toronto, just two hours away. So an interesting rivalry uh, being uh, being created between the Sabers and Toronto Maple Leafs. Not that it needed much help, uh, but it's getting it at at this point. Uh, so we now, uh, other than well, they also got you know a guy named Austin Matthews as well. Uh, so they got better yesterday, but. Interestingly enough, the Sabers select a forward instead of taking one of the top two, uh, one of the top three defensemen that were still remaining uh, at that point. Chikrin and Sergachev both remained on the board at eight when the Sabers select Ole Levy, the only defenseman off the board at that point. Uh, so with the defenseman still available, Tim Murray decided to take, in his eyes, the best available player, and that was. Alex Nylander. So 803-0550 is the number. We want to hear your thoughts, your opinions, your tweets, your text messages. We'll uh, we'll hear it all this morning uh, on the drafting of Alex Nylander. Also uh, on whether or not uh, you're a little disappointed that there wasn't any uh, big movement. And even if it wasn't big movement, just some small movement, I think we're all a little disappointed that uh, the only a few trades, uh, Andrew Shaw gets traded yesterday to Montreal. Uh, Montreal trades Lars Eller uh, back to, who did Lars Eller get moved to? He, did get, he went to the Washington Caps. That's right. He went to the Caps. There was two trades there. Um, and ultimately they ended up trading Shaw for a couple, I think a second round pick and then comes back around and, uh, Lars Eller gets traded as well. So Lars Eller to Washington, uh, not exactly a huge fan of that trade for Washington. Um, but they were looking for at least some, some more help up front. They at least get that in Eller, uh, Eller, can at least score some goals. I don't know what your opinion, Brayton, um, on the Lars Eller trade to Washington. Um, that's probably my least favorite trade of the day. Not that there was much to go off of. Uh, Brian Elliott, the only other real movement in that first round, other than obviously Pavel Datsuk, as we talked about in that first segment. Datsuk gets moved to Arizona for uh, basically the ability to move up and take Chikorin. Um, who at that point had just been falling and falling. Uh, but as we had mentioned, um, it really wasn't that big of a surprise to most in the NHL central scouting. Um, I think, Brayden, I think a lot of people, at least in central scouting, saw the fall of Chikrin happening um, well before the actual draft day. Yeah, I mean, it was again, it was a difficult year for Chikrin because he just came off of shoulder injury in Sarnia. He was supposed to be one of the top picks in this year's draft. I mean, he was projected early on to be a top three pick. Uh, then some inconsistency issues came about where he struggled through stretches of the season. Uh, he did play well in the playoffs, but Sarnia was eliminated early, and he had a and Chikrin had a decent world uh, under-18 world championships. But, I mean, for Jacob Chikrin, 
I didn't expect him to fall this far because I think some other team I thought some other teams would see him more valuable down the road, especially if he can figure out his game. But Arizona, they see Chikrin falling, and I think that John Chaka uh did a great job seeing that fall and then him making the decision to move up and take Chikrin at sixteen. And I think what's interesting, though, too, is when you go through Clayton Keller goes seven to Arizona. What a steal. At seven, I thought that was a very interesting pick for I thought Arizona, and, and they mentioned this on the broadcast yesterday, um, whoever was going to move back into that first round and get two first round picks, you know, they were going to be, quote, they were going to, quote, win the draft that first round. Um, so even though Arizona ends up with two picks, um, they they do a great job. They end up with two, I think, steals um, and Clayton Keller at seven and Jacob Chickering at 16. But what I wanted to mention was some of the other defensemen that went in front. Now, there was a bunch, a bunch of defensemen taken. Uh, Jake Bean at 13, um, I thought was an interesting pick in front of Chickering. And I thought even the more interesting pick was Charlie McAvoy, who goes 14 to Boston over Jacob Chickering. At that point, I just assumed that Chickering would be off the board after Jake Bean, I said to my, I thought there would be no way, um, you know, Jake Bean and McAvoy go. And a lot of people had, didn't have McAvoy as a first round talent. A lot of them had him in the, in the late 30s, early 40s. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Charlie McAvoy pick by the Boston Bruins there at 14? I, th- I thought it was the right pick. I mean, Boston's defense is getting really old now. And I don't even know if they're going to be able to, you know, trade away some pieces. I mean, They've made some. I mean, it, it'll help with the expansion draft because I'm sure they'll expose somebody that they don't want on their on their team anymore. But I mean, they've got a guy like Dennis Seidenberg who's in his mid to upper 30s. Zdeno Char is nearly 40, and then behind them, they signed a guy like Adam McQuaid to a ridiculous contract, 2.75 million dollars per year. He's a bottom pair defenseman. So is Kevin Miller, and he's signed on for four more years at 2.5. When you got to re-sign a guy like Tory Krug, who's a really good puck-moving defenseman, who I think the Sabres should be looking to try and trade for. But uh, with McAvoy, he's going to help that blue line out a lot when he eventually becomes uh, a Boston Bruin just because he's such a solid two-way defenseman. I mean, in the countdown to the draft uh, articles that I've been writing for WGR, uh, in the last one with the best of the rest, I I said that McAvoy was the safest pick to make just because of the fact that he's so solid in the two-way game. He moves the puck very well. He skates very well. And then he plays so responsibly in his defensive end. And one Stamkos note that uh, we are confirming on Twitter uh, as Bulldog also tweeted that this is correct, uh, is that the eighth year does actually not come with the option for Stamkos' rights now. Uh, in order to offer Stamkos that eighth year, they would have had to trade for his rights prior to the trade deadline. And that's per Marty Baran, so I'm assuming that's probably a good source to uh, to to take there. So uh, the to me then, the only... Uh, the only reason to trade then for Stamkos' rights, if everything... Just basically negotiations. Right. I mean, that's basically the only positive there. And what are you going to have to give up to get those negotiations? At this point, he can talk with anybody. Um, so I think the idea of trading for his rights would be a little silly to me, unless they really think that they have a better chance of signing him and and not letting Tampa Bay get a chance to to match that, which I don't think they're going to anyway. So at this point, um, it doesn't seem to be in the Sabres' best interest to make a trade for Steven Stamkos' 
his rights. Um, there's really no benefit to it other than exclusivity. But as we mentioned, um, everyone's getting an opportunity to now to talk to these UFAs um, as of right now. So, and actually, I just tweeted out from the WGR account um, is the draft by or the pick by pick draft analysis of of every player on SB Nation. Go on there and take a look at some of the the logos on the. On each team, they must have created their own logo for each team. SB Nation, yeah, they're they're quite unique with their the, creation of the logos. These are to awesome. Separate, yeah. Some of them are really cool. The Sabers logo is sweet. Yeah, Die by the Blade is a great logo. Uh, and the Avalanche one is sweet. Yeah, yeah, they have some really really cool, unique Minnesota Wild. I mean, that's way better sites. than their current logo, which I think right. is just their name. Did you see the Detroit Red Wings one's got the octopus in the middle with the? Oh man. These are sweet. Mm-hmm. But with with uh, with Stamkos trading for his rights, it's difficult to determine how much that they would actually value Stamkos' rights. Because, I mean, if you were to trade for Stamkos, the player, obviously the return would be huge. I mean, multiple first-round picks probably, probably multiple prospects. But for his rights, you're looking at maybe... Uh, I would say a conditional second-round second pick yeah. that may become a first-round pick if depending, on, depending on certain things where yeah, yeah. if the Sabres... Uh, you know, sign them and make the playoffs. So, I mean, it could be like a conditional third where the Sabres don't sign him, conditional second where, you know, if the Sabres sign him and don't make the playoffs, it's a second-round pick, and then if the Sabres sign him and make the playoffs next year, it would be a first-round pick. That that would be the way that I would approach it, but I'm not sure how Tampa Bay would exactly approach it, and, not, and especially now that, you know, you can't necessarily trade him to get his get him for eight years now. It's a little more difficult. I think what's... What you have to really look at too is does is it the idea of free agency testing the market because for a lot of NHL players, but not just NHL players, professional athletes across all platforms, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, most of these guys get one opportunity to quote test the free agent market and and feel courted by other teams um, and get to kind of choose where they ultimately want to play. And I think that there is says something for the Steven Stamkos camp that they haven't really given much thought in this Tampa Bay Lightning talk um, as per Darren Dreger. They've basically given the Stamkos camp their number. Um, they're not going to move away from that number, so they're going to sit and wait, and if they don't want, if they're not going to be willing to take that number from Tampa Bay and Steve Yzerman, I think Tampa Bay is absolutely ready and willing to move on and, and find a, another player at six and a half or seven million they can bring in um, and, and not you know, kill their cap situation moving forward, trying to sign guys like Victor Hedman Mind and you, Tyler yeah. Johnson, who are all going to be guys, Kulikov, all guys who are going to be up for contract in the next few years. And to pay a guy on that team that's this close, I think, to a Stanley Cup without Stamkos, um, an interesting move for them. Uh, to say the least. So we will wrap things up uh, when we come back. Uh, Inside High School Sports coming up next, and then draft coverage starts right here on WGR at 10 a.m., and we will bring it all the way until 4, until the final pick of the seventh round is taken. So we will uh, have more for you right here on WGR. I'm talking to a couple teams, but it's like you're talking and one minute you feel you can't get anything done and all it takes is a phone call, you know, tomorrow or a week from tomorrow and and all the uh, legwork you've done pays off. But I can't say that we 
are close or not close because I can't really gauge that. I'm talking to a couple teams. They're continuing to talk, So, but I assume that the caliber of player they are, they're probably talking to other teams too, but we are talking to a couple teams. GMTM there uh, behind the wonderful Coldplay bump, uh, one of my favorite Coldplay songs of all time. Anyways, let's get to my closing thoughts here moving into day two of the NHL draft rounds two through seven. We'll be right here on WGR, so stay tuned for that. A couple of thoughts here, Brayton, before we head out. Uh, I've got some some tweet action that I saw from Bulldog that I thought were some good points I wanted to bring across before we head out. Um, and that's trade and the trade value and what picks we can move um, today and moving forward. And I think one pick that I think will be important um, and useful uh, today in any sort of trade is next year's first round pick. Um, assuming that this team is in a better position next year than they were this year, assuming that they won't have a lottery pick, I think it's safe and I feel comfortable moving next year's pick if it means getting a guy like Cam Fowler or one of these top-line defensemen or whether it's – I don't know what else you could you could put up, but I'm thinking Shattenkirk or Cam Fowler. Uh, I would feel very – I would feel fine about giving up next year's first uh, as we've already used this year's on a player I think will help this team the next two years. Don't, don't forget you can also start using now 2018 picks. You yes. can start trading away those picks. Correct. Likely a first-round pick in 2018 is not going to get moved, but, I mean, there could be second-round picks, third-round picks moved uh, in 2018. There's already been some of the picks in 2018 moved. But the, the where I'm looking for the Sabres to move today is try and either trade for your defenseman like a Fowler or Shattenkirk, however you want to do that, and then you look ahead – and you can also think, well, there's some good value players in, still in the second round. So, like, if it's getting towards the middle of the second round, towards the later end of the second round, and there's a one player that the Sabres think that they can get, maybe they can package up a couple of picks and try and trade up to take that player. So, I think the Sabres are going to try and move up a couple of times in this draft and then probably use some more of those picks to probably move uh some assets to acquire a defenseman to come in and play right away. That that would be my ideal draft day today. I think I would like to see them turn 10 picks into four uh, and really move those later round picks. Get yourself back up into the second, maybe two second round picks today and a third tomorrow, uh, maybe two thirds. You know, I would say use those later picks to move yourself up and get a better quality player. Another name um, I think that you should keep an eye out for today Nail Yakupov, I think he's another guy I think the Sabres could potentially be targeting. Um, I mean, maybe a th if they could get Nail Yakupov for a third or a second, I think that they ha they have to do that trade. If it's only a third round pick, you pull the trigger. You pull instantly. the trader. I, I, you pull that trigger immediately. So Nail Yakupov, another name to watch out for. And something else today that I've seen some rumors here and there is perhaps a Jimmy VC uh, announcement today of some some sort, whether or not he'll be uh, signing a long-term deal, his entry-level deal with the Buffalo Sabres. So we've got an interesting day today. Stay tuned. We'll have wall-to-wall -wall coverage starting at 10 a.m. this morning. Uh, right here, a little preview this morning here with me and Brayton, 8 to 9. We've got Inside High School Sports next, um, and then wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the NHL draft uh, comes at you at 10 a.m. all the way till 4 o'clock. We'll bring you coverage of rounds 2 through 7. Matthew Collar, Brian Koziel, Pat Malacaro all bringing it to you. I will be on the updates, and Brayton will be on the board. So we will all be here this afternoon bringing you live draft coverage. Uh, hopefully, we will see some more action. Uh, for me, I'm hoping to see at least one or two trades, uh, but 
we will see. So uh, from uh, from the WGR studios, I'm Nate Geary for Brayton Wilson. We will see you next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.